Valenny is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. NBC round ball rock. Yeah. Tesh. Remember that back in the day? Oh, yeah. So, I've, I've actually got the live version in my music library. Okay. Well, we, yeah. need to, we might need to break that out one of these days. Yeah. The, actually, now that song is on college basketball on Fox, but supposedly NBA on NBC might be coming back. I believe the contract with ESPN is supposed to be ending pretty soon. And the NBC probably wants to get that contract, plus put some games on Peacock. Uh, when you heard this music, you know it was going down on a Sunday, at least a triple to quadruple header of great NBA basketball. I think it was what made 90s basketball was this. Yeah. But guess what we got on the phone lines? We got a local uh, co- former collegiate coach, now a broadcasting uh, guy. He did the St. Francis Central game uh, on Friday night. Uh, starting to become somewhat of, a, of a, a legend here in Northwest Ohio and Southeastern Michigan. We got Darren Cohn, the coach. What's up, Darren? Fellas, fellas, what's good? Let's get it. It's been a little while. Yes, it's nice been. to have you back, man. Thank you. Thank you. So, what's going on, Darren? Uh, you know, just paying bills, paying taxes, trying to live the good life. You know, enjoying this best time of the year, round ball season. Yeah, you. Well, tell us a little bit about how you know the season gets kind of is over. You go through the summer. And then you get that energy to back up again as December comes around and you get back in basically the booth calling games. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the TV standpoint, I pretty much get excited when the season starts off and uh, you're getting out and you're seeing practices, seeing games. Um, you know, the NBA stuff kicks off and then you start seeing the college and then the high school. So it's just a trickle-down effect to right now. I mean, you know, you can – you can take in a basketball game, um, you know, a couple a day if you wanted to, if you really strategize and, and get after it. So it's a, it's a fun time and seeing, seeing a lot of good players and good teams. So you actually, and you brought up a good point, I, obviously. I, I know a little bit about broadcasting because me and myself, Frank, did broadcasting for several years here at WXUT. So when you're preparing for a game, you actually do like a lot of the guys do at the major networks. Do you go to each team's practice and get a feel for the team and everything like that? during the week you know it's it's basically like preparing for a book report man you want to know uh everything you can about both sides of the tale and um as as a professional you know when you're broadcasting a game you want to provide knowledge to the listener or the viewer that they don't already know so one um it's it's great to talk about the game and that's really the play-by-play role of what's happening in the game but i always feel like the color commentary goal is to dive a little deeper to explain why what's happening in the game is happening, maybe give background and history into individual players or side plots or side stories, and then, um, you know, teach teach a little bit about the game. So I think if you can do that, then you're really, uh, you know, serving the, the viewer and uh, you're adding value, and that's what I always aim to do. And when I first 
started getting into TV and uh, or at least learning about it, I was on the coaching side, and I always realized that the guys who did a great job with the TV versus the guys who just did an okay job was the amount of time they put in to prepare and how much they did before the lights came on mm-hmm. and whether that's taking in practices, calling, texting, emailing with coaches, head coaches, assistants, doing background content on the players. The more you know, the more you can show. Um, so, I, you know, whether you're doing a high school or an NBA game or a college game, I think they all deserve the same uh, preparation and treatment, and that's the way that I've went about my business, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm on the microphone. Yeah, it's just like basically coaching. You got to be well prepared. You know, you prepare through the week, and then Friday night is the is basically the final exam. And you know, the team that you're going against, you know, you know everything about them is the same thing. But you got to worry about two teams. But you had a really good game on Friday night. As St. Francis, my alma mater, played against Central Catholic, they went down to a barn burner, and St. Francis won by two. Yeah, yeah, tremendous game. Uh, you know, uh, two really well coached and good teams. The game was at Central Catholic, so St. Francis won on the road. You know, because of the football success of Central, they're, historically their basketball team always seems to have a little bit of a delay to start the season. So this was only game number two for Central, where I believe it was game number five for St. Francis, so a little bit uh, more reps under the belt. Um, you know, Central Catholic has uh, a couple seniors in the rotation, but the majority of their squad are freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, um, you know, St. Francis, a lot more veterans, guys that have been around the program for a while. And they have some new spaces that are transfers, but they were veterans to varsity at other, at other uh, schools. So I think what it ultimately came down to, um, Central's oozing with talent, but they made a lot of errors and, and kind of rookie mistakes and had some inconsistencies throughout the game. Uh, though they've mounted a huge comeback, uh, St. Francis' experience was able to prevail, uh, made some great defensive plays down the stretch. Uh, Raheem Brown especially uh, had a handful of steals, a key block, uh, and just any time that uh, St. Francis needed a play, he seemed to make it on the defensive end and really stood out and was our player of the game uh, last night. Welcome to my world, Darren. You know, uh, we had a game as well. As you know, I coach Whitmer girls, and the NLL is doing the kind of their gender equity where the month of December, the girls are playing on Tuesdays and Fridays. Boys are playing on uh, sometimes Mondays and Thursdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays. So they give them Friday nights to the ladies. And, it, you know, you were over there doing Central and St. Francis. I was doing ladies night over at the Whitmer Fieldhouse. And uh, you lost two guards. One of our senior point guards is out for the season, and another one was out uh, due to uh, another injury. And uh, now we had to put the young girls in. And we played Anthony Wayne, and obviously the Bender twins are on that team as long as well as the Pike twins, which are talented athletes and talented basketball players. Now their brothers also play for Anthony Wayne, as you know that. And uh, yeah. The experience got to us, you know, making those 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 mistakes in the senior leadership or, you know, varsity experience closed us out at the end of the game. And that's some of what you're saying. Central has some very talented freshmen. I know the Kennard kid and Isaiah Mac Russell as well on that team combined with um, Brenneman. But as you said, St. Francis experience pretty much prevailed in the end. And sometimes you just have to go take your lumps as it is, as no, no, no matter how talented the young ones are. Nothing beats experience. Well, kind of going to that, Derek, I mean, at Bedford, we've kind of had to take our lumps this season as well. We had to go on the road for our first three games to up to Fenton, which is up around the Flint area. 
Uh, we got smacked by them. They got a lot of talent up there. Lost to Riverview. With that one we just didn't play very well. And then Ann Arbor Pioneer, who's got a lot of experience back too, who we lost pretty big to them. But we had to play Ann Arbor here on last night, Darren, and that game I believe aired on BCSN. We And, of course, Huron's got uh, Makari Moore, who's a div- got offers to play at Louisville. We actually played pretty well against him, held him to five points, but Huron's just got so many guys that can hurt you. This uh, Jackson Kiefer kid was hitting from outside, uh, and we had a hard time keeping Justin Latham, who's a six-seven guard, off the glass. But, I mean, we basically had to change our lineup a little bit. We put in uh, Nick Coberly, sophomore, to run the point guard spot. Uh, he had been coming off the bench playing multiple positions, and I thought, you know, he did pretty well. He he played hard, and I think in a game like that where you're basically punching way above your weight class, the only thing you can ask your kids to do is just go out there, give your best effort, hurt, and don't fold it. You know, I thought that was the case for us last night. <clears throat> uh, for for uh, Darren, can I ask you, so things have shaken up. <clears throat> drastically do more to the sport of football central catholic st francis game as me and you have been growing up in this area started out in city league city league rivals then they became track rivals but now they're in a new league was did it feel like a difference with that chsl league the catholic high school league up in detroit it almost seems like now i hate to say it like now there's they're separate like almost i felt like that was a good game to be talking about around here in the city, but now that they're in a different league, it seemed like there was not a lot of buzz about it. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, the new league necessarily affects those rivalries um, of Central and St. Francis and St. John's. When those three uh, match up against each other, they're going to play each other twice um, in the league, and then they'll play the rest of the the Michigan teams once. Mm -hmm. Um, I think where, where, where the effect comes in, is that they're not playing everyone else. You right. know, the, the Catholic schools are not playing the, the Whitmers or the Northviews or the Southviews or the City League schools unless it's um, as part of a non-conference game. So I think that's where we'll see over time, you know, some of them rivalries will dissipate because um, perhaps they won't get scheduled as consistently. So the St. Francis Central game itself or St. Francis St. John's, which I did the previous week, mm-hmm. you know, they felt the exact same, um, but – you know, those are going to be the only matchups of, for those schools consistently in the area, which is where I think we'll start to recognize the change. I think what I mean by that is that they were, like I said, in the city league or in the track. Obviously, most of the time the Catholic schools were at the top, so you would keep an eye on it. Now that they're not in the, any of the leagues anymore, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they're playing over there. You know, you mean, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot, like you said, it's gonna. Do you think it's gonna kind of dissipate where there's gonna be maybe a disconnect? within the community is because they're not playing a lot of the schools around here besides themselves and then up in Detroit and then maybe a non-conference here and there. Yeah, I mean, time will tell. I mean, especially when uh, when you, you start looking at those teams and they play in the uh, Detroit Catholic League tournament at the end of their regular season prior to coming back to the Ohio State tournament. I think that's where there's really going to be a little bit of uniqueness um, because those games – you know, presumably a lot of them won't be in the area. Um, the, the Those schools have still been highlighted early on for exactly what you spoke about, um, especially for the media coverage, because the, the NLL um, won't be doing Friday night boys games until next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the BCSN games of the week on Friday have 
been highlighting the City League and the Catholic schools here early on in this first month of the season. Right. Now, speaking of that, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the NLL. It's now expanded. And actually, a really good game, Whitmer and Lima Sr., this past Tuesday was a great game. As advertised, as Chris Holtman, Ohio State's head men's basketball coach, was down there. And Antoine West and Kai Leach put on a show, along with Jordan Foster as well, down there for Lima Senior. It's going to be another weird thing because I think with the dissolving of the leagues, even though Lima Senior being the city league, Lima's kind of down there. But with them being in the track, it was kind of like you saw a good brand of basketball in a very highly competitive league. I think they'll be affected as well. But what are your thoughts on the NLL? Now two different divisions, kind of like the old City League with the red and blue division, but they have the Buckeye and they have the Cardinal. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a mega league, right? It's really the, 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 the main conference in the area now with the track being gone, the City League it's so small, and then, you know, you got the small schools and the tack and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, more so you were kind of alluding to, will it hurt the rivalries? I don't think that's the case. I think it's just going to put less significance on conference championships in the area mm-hmm. uh, because there's really just one big conference and then, you know, a couple small ones on the side. I think much more emphasis is going to be put on the state tournament and how those teams uh, link up. Um, you know, the best teams in the area are still going to, you know, get the most attention and be at the top of the heap. Um, And, you know, at least early on this season, I think when you talk about the best teams in the area, you know, you got to, you got to think about Whitmer uh, top of the list and Lima senior top of the list. And then uh, St. John's has played really well early on. Um, You mentioned that Whitmer uh, Lima senior matchup, you know, the uh, uh, amount of high end, high level, the college scholarship type players in Northwest Ohio has been down over the last probably decade. Mm-hmm. So it's very rare that you see a game where there's, you know, arguably two or more division one prospects on both teams. Right. Uh, now, whether they end up there or not, um, you know, that's too main to, you know, re- remain to be seen, but you know, there's was at least four or more division one prospects in that game. And that doesn't happen in Northwest Ohio a lot. So, I think that was uh, pretty neat to see how that went down and, you know, very early in the season for that matchup. But, um, you know, that's one thing that I thought was pretty interesting about that one. Can I ask you, does Northwest Ohio, I'm getting this by because I listen to different podcasts about high school boys basketball. Um, it seems like Northwest Ohio doesn't get a lot of respect when it comes to talent. It seems like it's more focused on the three C's, Cleveland, Columbus and Cincinnati and maybe a few southeastern schools. Am I right on that vibe? Or it seems like the only love that Northwest Ohio gets is more of the southern part of our region where Ottawa Glendor, for some of the smaller schools, get the respect. Is that kind of true? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit subjective on how you want to look at it. But if you just want to look at raw data, Mm -hmm. you know, statistically, um, Northwest Ohio and Toledo as as the major city – have historically had way less Division One college signees and boys basketball in comparison to Cincinnati and Columbus, which by far lead Ohio, and then Cleveland, and then even Dayton and Youngstown most years tend to have more prospects mm-hmm. than the Northwest Ohio Toledo area that go on. If you just chart it and you count out how many players per year over the last 25 years, you know, you're going to find that Toledo's are going to be at the bottom of that list. Now, um, whether that means 
the respect or the attention is different. You know, I don't know. I, I guess that depends on whose eyes, whose eyes you're asking. Um, but even when you just then factor in the amount of teams, Division One, Two, Three, and 4, that make it to the state Final Four, if you just look, again, over the last 10 or 25 years, you look at that sample size, um, you know, the, the lesser representation is going to be from Northwest Ohio as opposed to the Central or the Cleveland, you know, Columbus, Cincinnati areas. Yeah, that, 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 that's very true. Um, who's been impressed? Now, that, that may not be the same with the girls. You know, girls is a little different than boys. I, I think, and actually I've said this many a times publicly, that girls basketball in Northwest Ohio is stronger right now than boys in terms of overall prospects and then just depth and quality of the amount of teams. That is that is true. I, I will agree. Doing both boys and girls, I will agree. It's a little bit stronger here in Northwest Ohio compared to the other regions of the state. Um, and women's basketball is really supported in this area. So I, I think that's where a little bit of the edge comes. But even then, still, I do feel that everything almost seems like it's starting to become centrally located. Now, Columbus is growing, obviously. So they're, they're going to probably per capita have a few more basketball players as far as next level players than us because we're shrinking and they're growing. Um, out of all the leagues, NLL, TAC, City League, who's kind of stuck out to you? Well, I mean, just in terms of pure volume, like I said, you know, the NLL is the mega league. They're, they're really the, the main focus, I mean, um, in terms of just the amount of teams. Mm-hmm. But if we're just talking about overall quality of teams, the teams, as I mentioned, that have stuck out to me are Whitmer uh, at the top of the list. And then I think, uh, you know, St. John's and Lima Senior are probably uh, 2A and 2B. Um, I think those three have been very impressive here uh, early on. And then, you know, as kind of a surpriser teams, I really like St. Francis and Central Catholic. Central probably a little later in the season because they have so much young talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, St. Francis, just because they have a great mix of strong leadership from the guard play, uh, and then they are likely the biggest team in Northwest Ohio. They got a little bit of depth. I mean, they got three true post-player centers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most teams don't have one, and they have three guys that are willing to play back to the basket. Uh, they got versatile forwards um, that can cause some mismatch problems um, with like Raheem Brown and Vincent Ferguson. And then they got two veteran guards who've led uh, in uh, Jamison Heck and, um, and Elvis Soroka. Uh, so I think they're going to be a much of an upstart team. Uh, but, you know, early on, um, you know, St. John's Central, or excuse me, St. John's Lima Senior, I think are nipping at the heels. Uh, but Whitmer is just oozing with talent and confidence. Uh, and they got a lot of depth as well. And then what about in the City League? You know, C- City League, I was very impressed by uh, Start's victory over Scott. Mm-hmm. I think on paper, without question, Scott has the most talent. Um, and they showed that by kind of bouncing back and getting that win over uh, Lima Senior. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so, so Scott, I think, has to be the favorite with their talent. Uh, you know, um, Start always is prepared and ready to try to, you know, do more with less. And we saw that that first game of the season, but it's certainly Scott's, um, you know, race to lose. Hmm. So we talk, do you have any questions for high school basketball forum after we close this up? Well, Darren, are you going to get a chance to follow any uh, teams up in Michigan or players? Um, not necessarily teams per se, unless they are matched up against the guys, you know, here from Northwest Ohio in that Catholic league, if they're playing, uh, central St. Francis or St. John's, 
Um, but, you know, players, I'm always in conversation with, you know, coaches and scouts and that type of thing, uh, but not traveling to Michigan a whole lot this season, at least as of now. Yeah, well, no, Rick, Rick, St. John's played Ultra Lake at St. Mary's, ended up losing. Trey McKinney won the top basketball prospects yeah. in the country and the Ultra St. Mary's Ultra Lake St. Mary's I heard is a pretty good team yeah they are and then also uh Birmingham brother Rice I believe comes down to play Central Catholic on January 23rd you'll get a look at Elijah Williams yeah that'll be fun you know any anytime anytime highly touted players come to the area it, it's just excellent to not only get a chance to lay eyeballs on them and see them in person but just to see how our guys stack up against them sometimes people get a lot of hype in the in, in the social media and the publication, but when the lights are on, they don't always perform. And then when they do perform, you know, it's just it's just great to see that that uh, that talent and skill set on display. Do you think that now with social media, it's kind of distorted who is considered really good and who's not? Because you there is some people that get a lot of social media buzz, and then you see them live, and it's like, why? Like you see the highlights, and then you watch the game, and it's like that's not the player that I was expecting. You think that's kind of comes into effect well i think you just have to do a little investigation based on what you're seeing and reading that you know if you're just a casual fan and you just want to uh, see everything you can see awesome if you are uh really trying to get true evaluations then you have to understand who whose information that you you know it Ooh. My yeah, lost Darren there as his phone went out. Sources that are providing rankings and scouting and that type of thing versus who's mom and dad or uncle and cousin and you know that type of thing who are just trying to provide uh, you know hype and exposure. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, uh, but but there you know there's two different levels of credibility there, and and it can the lines can certainly be blurred when you talk about the different social media avenues. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've started noticing that too. Like some, there are some people who are really good at really promoting, which is nothing wrong with that, promoting their son or daughter on social media. But then it's like, wait a minute, you know, the, the, the they're not, they're not the one. That's the other kid that's pretty good. But you know, we can go go down. We don't really want to go down that rabbit hole. Now we're going to go into the NBA. Your thoughts on the in season tournament? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It just kind of is what it is. Um, you know, obviously the NBA has been searching for quite a while to bring more meaning to the regular season games. They didn't want to shorten the regular season, so they want to bring more meaning to those games for viewership uh, and just overall competitiveness. They want players playing, coaches coaching. They don't want people sitting out. Load management. They don't want thirty, forty point blowouts. So this was their latest rendition of how to make the games more meaningful of doing the in-season tournament. Um, and without question, I think it did uh, drive more interest. I watched more games here early in the season than I ever have done before mm-hmm. uh, just because they were more competitive and there was kind of an intrigue of who was going to win their pool and who was going to move on and what the tournament was looking like. Now, I wasn't a huge fan of the, uh, of the flashy uniforms and the flashy courts. I found that to be a bit of an eyesore, and I'm glad it was only for the tournament, but uh, I found it to be a little bit distracting like a handful of years ago when, when hockey made the, uh, the puck li- uh, light up. Uh, that was a distraction to me. So I, I, you know, I thought that took away a little bit, uh, but you know, it was their first go at it. They're going to make some changes. They've already talked about kind of a 2.0 version of what they want to do next year. Um, and I thought, you know, we got a, a better quality uh, brand of basketball here early in the season. And to be honest, I was quite 
uh, surprised by the overall outcome that the Lakers won. I mean, obviously, we always know that they have uh, some of the best players in the NBA, but certainly heading into the tournament, all the uh, experts were talking about Denver and Boston and Milwaukee being the favorites, and, and um, you know, nobody really even made it down to uh, the final final where uh, it was interesting. So, um, so a lot of fun. I think it, it created this extra story. I don't know that winning the in-season tournament means anything, so I was a little surprised by you know, the celebration and all that, but I get it that the NBA has to promote it because they are selling entertainment. So there was no coincidence that LeBron was the MVP and, um, you know, the pomp and circumstance around it. But, you know, two days after it was over, it was all forgotten, mm-hmm. and now we're back to we're heading towards who can make the playoffs and how that all shakes out for the real the real ship. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of didn't understand. I thought oh, the court looked cool, but do you think they should be hanging up banners for the in-season tournament? Absolutely not. No <laughs> rings, no banners. I'm you know, with you. you a, yeah, if you want to do a monetary award or you want to, you know, whatever, that's all great. You got to have some meaning behind it. But, um, yeah, you, you know. You, you don't you don't hang a banner when you're at UCLA for winning the the, the preseason Maui Classic and and the or the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You don't get a ring for it. That's so true. It's the same type of thing. You you only, you only hang a banner when you're the last team standing. Right. That, that that is true. I didn't think about it that way. Um, other things that are going on in the NBA: the woeful Pistons. How can I ask you? And you've been in the NBA. How does a team with a bunch of pros and I mean it's a long season lose 22 in a row and they're not a bad team they started out the season two and one and now it's just falling through people were blaming Dwayne Casey and saying oh Casey doesn't know how to coach he moved him up to the the to the management and they brought in Monty Williams who's, who's proven he can coach in the NBA what is going on with this team is it just youth and inexperience and then a grown man's league or are they just really terrible yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a challenging one to answer, and uh, you know now there's even more spotlight on them because you know the Spurs had lost 18 or mm-hmm. in a row or whatever, and they they finally beat the Lakers or whatnot. So you kind of had the race between the Spurs and the Pistons, who was going to end the streak, mm-hmm. and now the Pistons are all alone. I'll be honest, they've been so bad. I haven't watched them in about a, a good three weeks. I watched them several times early on, and they do have talent and they do have some pieces and. Uh, and, and we know they have a, a good coaching staff or, you know, at least that have had success in the past. So it is a little, uh, you know, mysterious that, you know, how can you get on a streak like that? You know, I coached uh, over 20 years uh, at the high school division one and college level. And I was thinking about it. I think the longest losing streak I ever experienced was six games. At one point in my career, we lost six games in a row. And I, and I remember thinking it was like the worst thing that ever happened in my life. And it was just so so much drudgery and and just hard to you know you, like just when that's your profession to wake up every day and just grind and grind like we have to get over this hump we have to get over this hump so I can't even imagine going like a whole month and and losing twenty plus games in a row the morale of that coaching staff and the team and the, the fans and just the whole front office you know the only thing I can suggest is somebody has to come in there with just an extreme amount of energy and 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 positivity to try to flip the script. And, and, you know, you just got to get one. You get one and you totally forget about the, the last 20-plus that you lost. But, um, you know, I do not envy anyone in that situation right now because it, it's just drudgery. It doesn't matter what your job is. If you came in every day for a month and were told that you failed, um, it, it starts to weigh on you no matter how strong of a person you are. 
that you're a failure. I mean, I, I don't understand it, really. I mean, because the NBA has long nights. And sometimes you'll catch a team, maybe it's a long road trip, that just they just don't have it that night. And you, you catch one game, imagine this team losing 22 games. Early in the season, I thought, oh, this is not a bad team. You know, they if they, if they really get it together, you know, now are they going to be top of the NBA? No. Um, but to lose 22 in a row, it's like, what can they do? But there, there's worse. There's worse teams in the league than Detroit in terms of talent on paper. There's worse teams, and you know, and right now the record's indicating that Detroit's the worst. Right, and and the Clippers have turned around with the James Harden. At first, they were they they acquired him through trade, and they know what's going on. And now, I don't believe they've won six in a row. So that's just really the the, the life of the NBA. Um, the well, here's a question for both of you guys. Do the Pistons end up breaking the record for longest losing streak, which I believe was set by the Sixers, twenty eight? Mm-hmm. You think it's gonna? You think they break the record? No, they're gonna get a win. They're not gonna. They're, they're not gonna lose seven more. They're gonna get a win. Well, that's, uh, my, that's my vote. I I have no facts behind that, but they're gonna get a win. That's my vote. That's pretty pretty sad. Now I want to ask you this: coaching, Popovich, considered one of the greatest coaches ever. But now the Spurs, as you said, had that long losing streak. Now people are starting to look at him. You know, he he did have that one team that uh, went to the World Championships and didn't do too well. It is now doing an analysis of a coach. Does it kind of get overrated when they're winning a lot? It, you know, it's more than just wins and losses. More or less, of how you impact a team and, and, and how you're building your culture. Because there's two coaches, legendary coaches, Bill Belichick and Popovich who now people are saying they lost their touch. Is it that they lost their touch, or is it because they don't have the talent? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you wake up in the morning and forget how to coach when you've been doing it for a long time. You know, Nick Saban, I was listening to him like a day or two ago, and he says, you know, I've always been a pretty good coach at coaching pretty good players. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember one of the first guys I worked for, a Hall of Fame coach named Jerry Steele, he said, you want to get me a good coach, get off the bus with the best five players. And you know, it, it, there's a joke to that, but it's but it's it's true. true. You know, you you got you got to have talent to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 Bill Belichick had a lot of talent for a lot of years. Um, Greg Pop obviously had a lot of talent for a lot of years. And it's not that they don't have talent now; they just don't have elite talent. I still think they're elite coaches. Um, but you know, a true sign of a great coach is who gets a little more out of their people, who squeezes a little juice out of the turnip and gets them to overachieve and gets them to, to, to do a little better than they're supposed to do on paper. And maybe that's what those two aren't getting done this year. Um, you know, I think with Popovich, it's just, there's just so much youth and there's been so much change um, uh, that, uh, you know, it's going to take a while. It's, it's not like they're, they're just getting blown out night in and night out. They're very competitive and, and they do have good players. And they do show that they're getting better. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge. You know, you you got You got to have um, good people and good players, and be all on the same page and pieces that fit the right puzzle uh, to win. Um, you know, you're a great coach when you sometimes you win those matchups when you have a little less on paper. Uh, but but it's it's hard at the professional level when everybody's got ability to just do it year after year for for 30 years and not have a down year. And I think that's what we're seeing with, with those two guys right now. And it's also not fair at the high school level. I mean, you, you hear so many people get on message boards or here in the stands saying that this guy doesn't know what he's doing, da 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 And people just don't understand how much preparation goes into it. And sometimes you just have to be realistic and say, you know what, sometimes 
that coach is just coaching a team that's just not as good as everybody else. But what are they doing to get out of the talent? But unfortunately, the casual the casual fans and some parents don't really see that. Yeah, you know it's it, you know it's different. Um, high school is so much different than than college or pro because you you, you got to work with who who shows up, who's in your school district, who tries out for the team, who's there. Uh, so you have no input in terms of certainly at the public schools at least in terms of who you work with. Where at least you know in college and pros you can draft, you can trade, you can recruit, and that kind of thing. So totally totally different uh, conundrum that you're facing. Or, or you know if if, if your district um, you know is large or small, or you have 400 boys in the school or 200 boys in the school, it just makes a, a, a big difference in terms of who you're selecting from uh, and then have to go match up. If you're, a, if you're a, a school that has 200 boys and you're playing a school that has 400 boys, you know, the statistics are just going to indicate that they might have a little more talent or more choices to pick from when you guys are suiting up to play the same 32-minute high school ball game. Now, I forgot almost in high school your thoughts on the new rule changes. Five fouls is now an I'm at two points or a two free throws, excuse me. No more one and one. Kind of like the NBA and the women's college game. You, you've done a couple games under your belt. What are your thoughts on it? What are your initial thoughts? And now what are your thoughts after seeing a couple games? Yeah, I mean, you know, I wasn't in favor of the rule change. I think sometimes people in offices just uh, want to make change to make change. So it looks like they're, uh, you know, <laughs> being productive um i uh liked the way it was before but at the end of the day it hasn't affected any of the games that i've witnessed so far to this point uh truly where it affected the outcome um but i feel like it um you know softened the game for lack of a better term if you will because i think there's a lot of uh uh pressure on that one-in-one situation at the end of a game um if you're trying to make a comeback or you're trying to close out a game um, on the road or whatever it may be, and you got to step up and make the first free throw to get the second. I think that's a huge strategic point of emphasis in a, in game planning or in the flow strategy of a game that's now been taken away when you automatically get uh, you know the two free throws um, much earlier or every time that you get to five fouls in a quarter. So I wasn't in favor of it. At the end of the day, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Uh, but I just didn't necessarily see the need to make that change. And I thought the, uh, you know, the explanation of the why that it cleans up the free throw block out on that one-in-one situation and the shot goes in, there was no need for the bodies to block out and crash to avoid injury. I, I, I thought that that was um, kind of a nondescript, nondescript uh, explanation as to why. Um, and, and so, again, beforehand, wasn't in favor of it. Don't love the change. But at the end of the day, um, if it's all equal playing field, probably not that big of a deal. I didn't think so either. I thought it kind of. I think there's a little bit more of a flow to the game as well. Um, but you're right. It, it just it just changes things up. And I'm hearing rumors that the shot clock, I believe, has been passed from Michigan. Right? Oh, I I actually haven't heard anything about that. But kind of getting back to the free throws. That's been that's been a little bit of an adjustment for me when I keep scorebooks because our our scorebooks have the old school. <clears throat> 10 fouls per half, so what I've had to do, and I had to tell uh, our home scorekeeper, Bob Weaver, this uh, last night, just draw draw a dividing line between the 5 and the 6 and then just kind of make it hit. These are your 1 through 5 is your first quarter fouls, 6 through 10, second quarter, and then second half is third quarter and fourth quarter. 
So, I mean, I had to take a little bit of explaining to him as well. Oh, and I even had to tell uh, our clock operator, or Larry King, I told him that it was like the women's college game. And, of course, his his granddaughter is uh, Sophia Gray, who who played at Bedford, and she's now at Davenport. And he's like, oh, that's how it is now. Well, it's like the NBA. Yeah. Is I've it, even told him, like, the NBA as well. The old, oh, and, you know, kind of the shot clock. I'm hoping that something that does come through so that way you don't see – Hey, teams trying to stall so much because no, nobody really likes to see that type of basketball. Well, there's a uh, there's an entrepreneurial business idea for all the people at home looking to to, to start their own gig. Is you know you got to come out with the new improved scorebook for 2024 and beyond. <laughs> I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tell uh, Jordan that we got we got to get new scorebooks. <laughs> and, and hopefully, I, I mean, I say I tell people I don't really care if the shot clock comes or not. I just think it changes the strategy of the game. And I think this is one another one of those with the the foul situation. It, it kind of just changes the strategy of the game. Um, but as it, you said, I've we've played seven games, and I don't think it's really affected anything. Really, not to be to be honest with you, it, it hasn't. So. Um, it just it just changes up your coaching strategy, and as, as a coach, you have to be adaptable, anyways. Um, Darren, wrapping this up, man. Thanks for calling in so much. What's up next for you? Oh man, just more of the same, more of the same. Uh, I think in terms of TV, we're doing the uh, Defiance Holiday Tournament next weekend. Going to do a doubleheader on Friday night. You got a uh, St. Francis, uh, Toledo start. Uh, Anthony Wayne and Defiance High School in that tournament. So mm-hmm. we will do the championship and constellation game. That's all uh, on Defiance, but, right? Yep, at okay. Defiance in their in their beautiful newer facility. Um, but yeah, just watching a lot of college and pro games and and on the move quite a bit. Actually, just um, I was at a rest stop when we started this this <laughs> conversation and jumped back on the turnpike because I'm heading out to a meeting in Port Clinton, Ohio. So. Lot, lots of things going on with Darren Cohn Enterprises and, uh, you know, trying to end the year strong and, and, and some exciting moves in 2024. But always make time for you guys. Now, now, here's, after further review, crew. Yeah. Now, <laughs> here's the next seven games for the Pistons, and they, they could possibly break this record. They got Milwaukee at Milwaukee on Saturday night. Then they've got on Monday at Atlanta. Then they've got at home Utah. Then on Saturday, December 3rd, and Tuesday, December 6th, a home-and-home versus the Brooklyn Nets. Thursday, December 28th, is Boston. If they lose those six on Saturday, December 30th, they could lose their seventh game to Toronto going and heading into the new year. Could it be possible? All right, I'm I'm, I'm saying they beat Brooklyn at home. They're beating Brooklyn at home. Day after Christmas. I'll hold you to it. Yeah, the day after Christmas, so they get they get a Christmas present. Exactly, day after Christmas, the players are going to be with their families. They got to travel. I, I'm I'm saying Detroit beats Brooklyn at home day after Christmas. Day after Christmas. Well, man, thanks good again. You always give us a present of knowledge on high school, college, and NBA basketball. Once again, thanks so much, Darren, for calling in. Absolutely, man. Merry Christmas, to you guys. Have a, a great rest of your show. Yeah, right, drive safe. You. Drive safe, my man. All right, bye now. Yep. That was Darren Cohn, the coach, here on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, David the Man Guy Harris is on the phone line. What's up, man? Not much. I'm, I'll take that bet as well. I don't think that they break the streak, but who knows? Who, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Coming up next, we'll get into the 
Yep, because we got Saturday action, ladies and gentlemen. That is right, Saturday action. And right now through week 12, it's a close race. David is leading 88 to my 87, and Frank has 83. Mm. He's at, mm. eh, just close as well, usual. We'll see how where we go. I know there's a... We're going to have quite a bit to talk about, NFL-wise. Exactly. So we're getting the quick pick on because there's a game at 1 o'clock on Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. If you want to listen to us, make sure you always tune in after further review sports show on 88.3 WXUT, usually between 11.30 and noon to about 1.32. Then you can also watch us after further review sports show on Facebook and our podcasts are offered on SoundCloud and on iTunes. WHD's After Further Review with a picture of Frank Master. And, and make sure Sam. that you you leave a five-star review and subscribe. That is true, yes. Yes. Rate, review, subscribe. Take a quick commercial break listen to 88.3 WHD's After Further Review. Have the NFL pick up next.